you have one bedroom with a lot of Last Jedi people. Another room looks like a Buffalo Wild Wings with a bunch of TV screens. And then there's the kitchen filled with celebrity chefs and a lot of foam. This is a memory palace for Lynchpin by Seth Godin. Let's get to it. The first room for Lynchpin will have Admiral Akbar, Poe, Finn, Ray, our favorite people from the latest Star Wars movies. This is an excerpt from Lynchpin. Seth Godin says, Shipping isn't focused on producing a masterpiece, but all masterpieces get shipped. I've produced more than 100 books. Most didn't sell very well, but if I hadn't, I'd never have had the chance to write this one. Picasso painted more than a thousand paintings, and you can probably name three of them. The tool, that's the end of the excerpt. The tool that I wrote down here is fight the resistance, make a bunch of stuff, and finish it. I really like this idea. Just, uh, Lynchpin has a lot of good, it has a really great chapter. Probably my favorite chapter was about resistance, fighting resistance. I apparently, like, can't get enough of content uh yeah enough of anything about fighting resistance lately i have been listening to a lot of brian koppelman podcasts he talks about how he fights resistance he recently had stephen pressfield on and stephen pressfield of course wrote war of art the sort of original book on uppercase resistance and figuring out ways to fight it. And in most cases, all of those ways really just boil down to doing work, doing the work day to day, sitting in the chair, writing. And yeah, that's a big thing about being a linchpin. If you are going to be effective in your if you've identified what your art is in your job then you can figure out a way to ship as much of that as you can uh, in whatever form that takes so that's what I want to remember from this that's one of the key takeaways and I am putting again so that's why I have added these people to the memory palace repeating that it would be I walk into my bedroom and I see Admiral Akbar, Finn, Ray, uh, Vice Admiral Holdo. And then I picture, well, y- you should picture just murdering them. You're in a giant ship because they're in a resistance. So those two words, remember, ship and resistance and destroying the resistance Maybe you wake up, you're Kylo Ren, and it's just a dream, whatever it is. But that's what this room represents, fighting the resistance. The next room I walk to is the living room. It, for whatever reason, looks like a Buffalo Wild Wings. It has 20 TVs. All of them are showing different highlight videos of players hitting, this is NBA players, hitting clutch shots. Actually, the TVs could show... You know, any clutch moment in sports, and I'll get to why. So the excerpt from Lynchpin is the, um, okay, Seth Godin says, The law of Lynchpin leverage. The more value you create in your job, the fewer clock minutes of labor, 
you actually spend creating the value. In other words, most of the time, you're not being brilliant. Most of the time, you do stuff that ordinary people could do. The tool that I uh, pulled out of this is just to figure out what you're able to do that creates the most value so that you can spend, figure out ways to focus on that and carve out time to focus on that. The reason I talked about sports is that NBA players or anything in sport, like any player in sports, uh, there's usually some moment where they'll need to perform in a clutch situation last two minutes in an NBA game. So if you can, if you can really shine in those moments, it has an outsized effect on future contracts. If you become known as, uh, yeah, just someone who can hit, I guess the, the example would be, um, Robert Ory, big shot, Bob known for hitting clutch shots on championship teams and had a long career and, was able to, and it's not like they would just put him in for the last shot, and then he, he was able to stay on the roster for normal things, but his legacy will be because of maybe like in total 20 seconds of playtime, uh, and those live on forever. Those like buzzer beaters live on forever. One other thing is that I do like Derek Sivers' uh, take on this. He writes something similar about, and this is just that idea of knowing yourself and defining success because when he was creating, he's a, he sold CD baby and has been able to, and did the thing that a lot of people dream of, sell a company and then go retire. He he didn't try to make another massive company after that. He just followed his interests. He talks about it really enjoying programming and that he wanted to do... He programmed for a very long time and a lot of people would tell him, hey, you can just hire people to do this programming and then you can focus on the things that you create the most value. Like, you can focus on the business where you're creating the most value. But he just thought, like, why would I do that if I enjoy programming? Like, And he knew himself. Like, I think that is another thing to consider is, like, what do you enjoy doing? He didn't want to stop doing that. Yeah, stop doing something that he enjoyed doing for the sake of business success because his definition of success more prioritized enjoying the day-to-day, which I think I would lean towards as well. So it does depend on, and in in that case, figuring out what in your day-to-day creates the most value and figuring out how you can focus on that. So back to the memory palace, that is why you walk in the living room, looks like Buffalo Wild Wings, and it's just people, athletes doing a bunch of stuff in clutch situations. Professional athletes work for, like, this is that that idea that uh, ordinary people could do the same thing as athletes do. There's plenty of plenty of people that work out a lot, and they could certainly, if, if they were paid to do it all day, they could certainly put the practice in uh, just as much as NBA players, as any professional athlete, but it doesn't mean that there is a thing that separates professional athletes from those people. And in a lot of cases, it is being able to perform under pressure, under the lights, that kind of thing. So that's the second room of the memory palace. And moving on to the third room. All right, you are leaving your Buffalo Wild Wings living room. You look to your left. There is a kitchen. It is full of celebrity chefs. There's foam everywhere. The excerpt that this relates to is 
here we go. So Seth Godin says, be remarkable, be generous, create art, make judgment calls, connect people and ideas, and we have no choice but to reward you. That's the end of the excerpt. My tool here is, I, I said, figure out what your art is. A, a theme from this book is this idea that some it's that it, like cooks are different from chefs and what se- separates chefs is uh being able like their artistry being able to and, and another part of this book is emotional labor that the value is not like the leveraged value will not come through manual labor unless you're you know like in a factory that is trading time for time for value and you can only perform so much faster than other people in a factory. So it's hard to create leverage there, and you have to figure out um, a better way to create more value. Uh, so he said, or yeah, so art cre- requires emotion, and yeah, figuring out a way to work with emotion. And another example, uh, this is just a connection to. The book that really got me to try Memory Palaces, this connection to Moonwalking with Einstein. There, if you want to memorize... So I've talked to some people about uh, this book and memorizing things. And it's it's like th- some of the like techniques are fairly complicated and you have to practice them. And it, it's like, wh- why don't you just remember it? Uh, like whatever it is you're trying to remember, just use rote memorization because we have to re- memorize so little. And there is a point to that, like... Being the best at memorizing something has far more value in third grade than it does as an adult, especially like third grade prior to the internet and being an adult now. But this does go to show like for have to to have like, you're not going to be able to memorize 10,000 numbers in sequence through rote memorization. You have to apply apply the art to it. Uh, And it does take practice to get good at the techniques like the very in-depth memory palaces which i am not doing right now this is a very this is you know when you're a kid and then um in the backyard they have those giant not giant it's like big lego blocks that kind of house that's the palace that i'm working with can barely fit three things in any case if getting back to like the leverage thing um the factory work where you can't go much faster than other people is rote memorization. You could practice just like rote memorization, get better at it, but you won't be able to, there there is a much uh, lower ceiling on that and you'll hit a plateau much faster where if you really practice uh, these mnemonics and all these different uh, techniques, as shown in Moonwalking with Einstein, you can approach, you can become best in the nation maybe not best in the world but do some parlor tricks with memorizing decks of cards that kind of thing uh with with practice and focusing on the right techniques oh so uh, another thing about this is i've in the past had these jobs and i would talk to my dad about like work and i would tell him tell him like some of my earlier like programming jobs i told my dad that i could probably do some parts of the work from what i knew in high school about just web development and call like high school and college i don't think that was really exaggerating it was but that's not to say i could do the whole job and maintain the job at all uh that that's where you find out in work that the important things are soft skills a lot of times so becoming good at the soft skills is how you can separate yourself this reminds me of cal newport's book so good they can't ignore you a rule of thumb that I really like is this idea that if you could 
outsource it to a college grad with a week of training, it's probably not valuable. It's, it's not something that's creating a lot of leverage, and it's possibly something that can be automated. Another thing I wrote down here was a quote from Medium Raw. So this is Anthony Bourdain's book. Uh, this is not, it, this was after he was famous. I think his more popular book is Kitchen Confidential. So this, this one was after like he had been on TV for a while, Medium Raw. He says, Thomas Keller and Daniel Balud, both with successful, revered, and respected mothership restaurants, have talked at various times about the necessity of holding on to talented people, the need to grow t- grow with the talents, experience, and ambitions of loyal chefs de cuisine, sous chefs, and other longtime employees who want and deserve to move up or to have their own thing. It becomes a simple matter of expand or lose them. This goes to show that uh, these chefs have figured out, have excelled at their job, uh, or the, yeah, the, the cooks that they have have excelled at their jobs, risen in these kitchens, and then are able to, because they are linchpins, they they have leverage there, and they can leave and create their own thing and be successful doing that. But they create so much value that the chefs that at the top know that they're worth keeping within their circle and are able to create expand their restaurants. And this is how these giant restaurants, these restaurant empires are created and why you end up at these restaurants and you don't see, you know, the, the main chef that you might think will be there. Then that just takes me back to uh, Memory Palace. This is why the kitchen is full of celebrity chefs. There is, the reason there is foam is that it's supposed to just be a, a, a reminder of like artistry in cooking. And it's not to say like artistry is only in experimental cooking, but just a reminder of that. So that is the third room. Yeah, that that represents that story of being a cook versus being a chef. That's it for this episode about Seth Godin's linchpin. Hope that you found this memory palace indispensable, something that factory workers can't make. Thanks for checking this out. Next up, I think I'm going to do an episode about Cal Newport's book, So Good They Can't Ignore You, thinking about what rooms to put in that. Anyway, thanks again for checking this out.